Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King, and I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. Also joining us, the director that's of Mission correct. USA Productions, yeah. Jed Brewer. Hello, I think. <laughs> With us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. That that goes on the heels of of Glenn. Spending many, many years interrupting Matt's attempts to start the show. And also, I, I, I don't think, we, we didn't do this in the last episode, but I, I want to personally thank our super fan Tommy in Seattle for creating a version of our theme song. Yes. As if it existed in a Nintendo 8-bit uh, video game from the 1980s. I can't express to you, Tommy, how happy that made me personally and what a lift it was in a very difficult year. So thank you. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. As a preview of coming attractions, that will be the song we play you out with at the end of the show here. And we uh, do thank Tommy is very, very cool. We think you guys will enjoy it as well. And speaking a little, I'm sorry, very quickly to interrupt. Does anybody have better podcast fans than we do? There's no way. I mean, I just I just don't see it. We have the best podcast fans. They are the coolest people on earth. If you are a fan of this podcast, you are cool. If if we had if people had podcast fans on not earth, we would still have the coolest of those, I presume. Mm, strong point. The rare double segue. Because as we move to a situation that must be declared an emergency, and this is this is coming on a couple of fronts here, but but bear with me. We we've had terrestrial matters here in the podcast, the podcasting sphere. You may have heard that uh a gentleman who was on news radio got a hundred million dollars from Spotify to do a podcast, and that's as a, I mean, it's a good show, and it's but it's not Stephen Root, which is very concerning to me. But that that happened there, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, it was announced that uh, one uh, Bill Gates was going to start launching a podcast, and he was going to do that with Rashida Jones, mm. which is a wow. real like throwing darts at a dartboard thing to happen. Bill Gates and Rashida Jones will start a podcast in 2020. So the the emergency for us is you know we're we're trying to come up in this whole situation here and yeah that's some pretty heavy hitters to be getting involved and people signing big contracts uh the uh, the podcast space is getting a bit crowded and I think that means it's time for us to look to some other developments uh as as Lee points out maybe uh freeing us from these surly bonds of earth ooh we've oh, got you know wow. SpaceX is launching stuff we found water on uh, the moon we're looking at all sorts of interplanetary realities maybe it's too late for us to be the most popular podcast on earth though we are not conceding that and have several lawsuits against spotify and apple music uh not conceding the point that we're not the most popular podcast on earth they're not going well but (laughs) (laughs) i think one of the problems matt is that when you assembled the 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 team of lawyers you wanted to get them to the uh you know the 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 Hilton in downtown Chicago and you wound up curiously at a totally different location also named Hilton it was something like that right well i ended up at a uh, Hilton uh garden center and ended up hiring uh <laughs> four melting leftover jack o lanterns instead of any actual attorneys mm. But their fees are still very extensive. <laughs> so another reason that we might need to start looking into this space thing, because we're running up some lawyer bills. Well, look, fellas, uh, uh, we, we mentioned this, I think, a while back on the podcast. But when when Matt initially called me up and said, I want to do a podcast, I assumed that involved the four of us getting into an actual pod, you know, like a space pod. Sure. Right. And then you cast it into outer space. So for me, I feel like we're maybe just getting back to the original idea of what podcasting really ought to be all about. Well, we do like originalism. 
You know, I think, uh, you know, uh, once we get out into the outer space, you know, nobody else is competing. We've, we've got that locked down, dude. I mean, a podcast from space, it, it just advertises itself. Absolutely. And the, the merchandising opportunities are, are pretty killer. Who wouldn't mm. want some say that moon water? Whoa. Think about wow. that for a second. People love their high end bottled water. Yeah. Say that moon water. The yeah. wisdom refreshes your soul. <laughs> Our moon water refreshes your body. It's the total package, y'all. I believe wow. it is Fiji water, like in the square bottle. That's that's uh, tagline is like the best stuff on earth. Well, they can suck on it because we've got moon water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got moon water, y'all. I also like the idea of Matt getting ahead of the curve, going ahead and speaking to the space audience by like doing his own echo and stuff like, welcome, welcome to say that, 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 that. The podcast, cast, cast, where your big, big questions get real, 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 real answer. Just making it sound more science fiction-y. Sure. Yeah, like kind it. of a 50s sci-fi deal. I can deal with that. Is there a chance we could get a theremin player to yeah. do our opening theme? For sure. I gotta assume theremin players are not that hard to hire. Because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of work around Halloween. <laughs> And then there's got to be about an 11 and a half month fallow period there. Well, I think, too, you know, if we get, you know, you get like sort of the bleeps and bloops noises in the background. And, uh, you know, we probably will, will need to uh, get started on the the technology. You know, because well, sure. you got to, you, you know, like uh, what you got to do is be like an entrepreneur and a forward thinker. And come up with, you know, like, instead of, like, how are we going to breathe up there? Well, you take oxygen pills. Boom. Just do that. You know, I had the idea, so somebody work out the technology, and let's do it. <laughs> well, I like the idea of being an idea person here, because as I understand it, a lot of the uh, a lot of the space travel stuff now that we've, we've cripplingly defunded NASA is basically about branding. And you just got to convince right. people that you're a real smart dude, and then they'll let you do space stuff. Yeah. So you know, say stuff like, like, you know, a colony on Mars. How would that even work? And you're like, I also make cars that run on electricity. And they're like, Oh, I guess we can let them do a colony on Mars now. It's a whole thing. <laughs> so uh, that's real nice. Um, but I like the idea of it's just a podcast, but we just get that futuristic sheen on it. Yeah. And see if we can raise, you know, a couple trillion dollars worth of venture capital money before this whole thing collapses. Yeah. Well, I think too. Let's also consider. You know, we'd be the only podcast in space, but just, you know, think about being on the cutting edge of doing high quality wisdom type uh, stuff and, you know, delivering that to your Martians. I mean, you know, they've been without any kind of podcast wisdom whatsoever mm. this whole time. Wow. So probably we'd be greeted as liberators and... Uh, you know, they would be like building statues and stuff. And you know what? At that point, Earthlings, you know what? You know, we're. I think we're done with you. Well, I think is is a another aspect of that. You know, I'm I'm looking up, and their their best uh, guess right now is that the trip to Mars for uh, a manned spacecraft would take something like seven months. That's quite a right. bit of time in a little uh, tube. So they're going to need to be entertained, but they're also going to need right. the wisdom. So could we become the official Christian advice podcast of a manned Mars mission? Fantastic. Oh, I mm. love that. Now, admittedly, there's only going to be like four or five people on this thing. So it's going to get pretty petty pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But our next email comes in from Captain Thompson, and it's, why does Ensign Ricky suck? And, you know, we'll have to unpack <laughs> yeah. that. But I think there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I think we could get in the middle of that. You found out that your uniform has the red shirt in it, and how do you deal with the the kind of emotional <laughs> fallout of that? Yeah, and they, you know, you just got the one bathroom on board, and you know, it's you, 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 things get tense. I, I think we can get a, a considerable government grant under the the auspices of a uh, conflict mitigation on the manned Mars mission. Wow. And then there's also, of course, the advertising potential, because we're going to try to carve the logo into the moon. Well, obviously. Oh, yeah, that, may, that only makes sense right there, dude. 
I mean, we've we've fought the privatization of a lot of things, but I've now also made myself very sad because I'm wondering who the first megachurch pastor who's going to get their a sermon simulcast to like the International Space Station is going to be, wow, dude, and how they're going to brand that. The the thing that I was thinking about was the uh the the laser cutting drone. How how quickly does that become one of the you know AI Osteen drones from the future? Because he doesn't want our podcast to have that sweet sweet Martian advertising. You're oh. pitching a bishop from Aliens kind of situation. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That is going to happen. There's really no getting around that. Here's what you fellas are maybe missing here is that it takes a certain special kind of person to reach out to your basic Martian. When you say basic Martian, do you mean a Martian who drives a Jeep and is drinking Starbucks? Well, yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, because first of all, here's what, here's what the deal is. Could they be Mar- We Cause we don't know what they're, we don't know what they're, what they got up there. You know, it could be uh, space monkeys, you know, what sure. I mean? like a, like your basic Chewbacca. Well, you know, we got that covered. Some of us have excess body hair. We both basically fit right in. Boom, done. You know, they could be like a giant uh, squids or something. You know what I mean? Osteen's not going to appeal to a giant squid. Giant squid would have no interest in Osteen whatsoever. Yeah, they don't even have teeth. Yeah, I mean, you know, but we we walk in there. We're early capitulators. That's been well documented. We, I for one, welcome our new squid overlords. You know, and they'd be like, "Oh, we could work with this guy. He seems like you know very cool and relaxed and whatever." You know, Osteen comes in there with a fog machine and some laser beams and whatever. They just, you know, they're going to eat him right away. Well, the you know when you talk about the space monkeys, we're already ahead of the game on that too, Glenn, because you've already. You've already pegged uh, Queen Elizabeth II as as the person who would be most you know uh, most likely to be able to have diplomatic relations with these people, being that she has the monkey strength. Yeah, that's right. You know, we this what I'm saying is we got all these hookups. You know, we we go up there and we tell the space monkeys, hey, look, you know, I I'll, I'll do the talking, and you know, we'll work out some deals. I know a guy. Boom. That's that they want to they want to be dealing with somebody that that has connections and can relate to them. You're not getting that out of you know like a, I mean you know we all love Rashida Jones and 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 Bill Gates, but what's Bill Gates going to do? You know like you know do some programming or something that you know they're not going to be impressed by that. I mean he's just going to be sitting there typing. They're like, who's this guy? What's this? You know, so uh, you know let's let's figure out who's really going to be good for the universe here. Here's the thing. Here's the the mind journey I've just been on, and I, I'm going to bring you all on this with me. Uh, Glenn gave us the very um, evocative and interesting phrase of your basic Chewbacca. Yeah. And that made me picture Chewbacca wearing leggings and Uggs. <laughs> now, I want you to go from that, and I want you to stay with me. I want you to picture Han Solo's outfit. You've got wow. fairly tight blue pants, yeah. knee-high boots, A kind of neutral Henley shirt and a vest. I submit to you that Harrison Ford as Han Solo is the fashion plate for every Christian woman in her 20s who dresses like that during the fall. (laughs) (laughs) Just replace the blaster with a pumpkin spice latte and you're home, man. (laughs) Exactly. Wide brown belt. It all pretty much works. And the haircut is not that far off in the later movies. That's amazing. That is an extremely hot take right there. It is, and I just, you're all going to see it now. It is that time of year. <laughs> you're going to be at your local pumpkin patch, and you're just going to not be able to ask, you're just not going to be able to resist the urge to ask Lauren about how fast she can do the Kessel Run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Karen shot first, Matt. It, that Almost certainly. And on that basis, we will declare emergency off. And we, of course, uh, are, in a lot of ways, we start out by not exploring space yet, but we are, of course, exploring cyberspace in many different ways. One of those is Bridgebox. We send that out the first of every month. Lots of great stuff 
on a topic. No Martian problems yet, but you know, we've been doing Bridgebox for a while, so it's only a matter of time. Here in the month of November, we're still talking about giving thanks when things are tough. You get sermons from Glenn and myself, songs from a bunch of talented friends, Bible studies, and more. Head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and check that out. You can, of course, also join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at The Bridge Chicago Live over at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. We are having a lot of fun, and we hope you will join us over there. Get involved in the chat. Check it out. Come hang out with us. And if you can't catch it live in your time zone, every single one is uh, still uploaded under the videos tab at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. And we hope you'll check that out. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. Or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links there. Our first question comes in and is a follow-up to a question we talked about last week. It says... If I decide to cut a family member off, how do I actually do that? Do I announce it and tell them why? Do I just stop returning calls? Do I have to cease all communication? Or can I still communicate big life events, etc.? A, a very, very good question. If you, if you didn't listen last week, you had someone talk, ask about they're moving across the country from a, a parent who they had a fairly toxic relationship with and wondering if it would be a good idea to cut them off. I really like this follow-up on the practicalities of that idea, which we talk about a fair amount on the show. And Lee, where would we start off? This is a really great question, and it's an important question. And also, it's a timely part of the year for such a question. Um, As families try to get together for things like Thanksgiving and Christmas and that kind of stuff. So this is really cool, and and glad you wrote it in. And the place that I would want to start is I want to travel back to kind of where uh, something that Glenn talked about in in kind of the the opening question of this, which was that a lot of times when people bother you about um, what they call forgiveness and reconciliation, what they want is the ability to get away with treating everybody the exact same way they've always treated them. That's that's really the translation of what's happening. A lot of times. If you are somebody who claims to know Jesus, what people will say is, well, you're a Christian, you have to forgive me. You have to forgive everybody. And what they, the translation of what they mean by that is, you have to let me treat you however I want to, however I've always treated everybody in this family, and we don't need to dignify any of that. Um, I also want to travel back to part of Jed's response to this related question, which was, that um, when it comes to things like social media, we need to have these people out of our hair. Um, You don't need to follow them on Instagram or Facebook. You don't need to see what they're tweeting. You don't need to, you don't need that stuff in your face. What I would say on personal communication is a couple of things. Um, We need to look at the temperature of this, of this relationship. If there's what's called flooding going on, then it's, what I would say is don't dignify their bait with a response. And what I mean by flooding is uh, like a, like a, a licensed professional counselor would say that sometimes in these kinds of relationship, uh, in these types of relationships, flooding means they just keep hammering you with overtures. They just keep coming into your face over and over and over again to get you to kind of wear down and uh, to get your defenses down so that you respond and engage. Um, They just keep hitting you with the shame or the manipulation or whatever it is. I would say don't dignify that. Don't rise up to that kind of stuff because already the temperature is too high. Another another phrase that that a counselor may use is something called a harsh startup. When somebody is is flooding your inbox, flooding your text messages, that kind of stuff, we don't need to dignify that with a response. But I actually want to zoom out to a more important question for me. You're saying, how, what's the best practical way to do that? Let's talk about something that's extremely practical, which is we need to have a plan so that your response to this is not based on your emotions to this. I'm I'm going to say that again, because this is I think this is like of critical importance. We need to make sure that your response to this is not based on your emotional state. The reason is, and you've heard us talk about very you know, similar and related topics 
on this idea plenty of times on this podcast, which is this. Your emotional state over any given thing can is not going to last forever. So you may be super angry about something, and it may be justified. That is not going to be an emotional state that you can just keep up forever. You may be extremely excited or happy about something, and it may be completely justified. Regardless, you're not going to stay in that emotional state for a long time. I say all of that to say this. You are, when you are um, creating boundaries to keep yourself out of a toxic situation, you need something more than emotion to carry you through that. Yep. You're going to have to have a plan because you're not always going to feel upset. You know, when somebody mistreats you, when somebody throws shame at you, when somebody um, is manipulating you, in the moment that you're receiving that, you feel misused, you feel, um, you feel disrespected, you feel angry, and all of that stuff makes perfect, perfect sense. But you're not going to be able to keep that emotional fervor up. So what you've got to do is, with your boundary setting, you've got to be practical in setting a plan that has like measurable things in it. Until this happens, I will not do A, B, and C. We will not meet in person unless da 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 da. Whatever the thing is, and we can get into the kind of the 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 point by point nature of that of what those kind of steps should be. But my main thing is when we zoom out, your response to this and setting boundaries needs to be planned and not emotional. Because yeah. your your emotions, which in some ways protect you and, and guide you towards setting the boundaries in the first place, they're not going to last. You're going to feel, um, especially if that person does kind of flood you with, with kind of certain emotional, you know, relational kind of things, you might even feel sorry for a person who manipulated you. You might, somebody might hit you with, with a text message or an old photo or something like that. And you might be like, oh man, maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe, maybe, maybe this person's right. Um, and I kind of feel sorry for them. You need to have a plan in place that's written out, that's detailed, where you have certain contingencies in place that are practical so that you're not basing your response on pure emotions. It's a really, really good place to start this off. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. And I think, you know, Lee is absolutely right that there's a lot of uh, tactics and strategies that are going to apply pretty broadly and are going to be a smart way to do this. But at some point, this is going to come down to kind of feeling out and figuring out what, what works best for your situation. And that might live in some gray areas, right? There's no doubt about it, man. Um, I absolutely agree with everything Lee said. That's awesome stuff. This is one of those things where we're going to have to kind of figure it out as we go. Um, there is not, there's not just one way to do it. And, and, and critically, there's not one way to do it for all time. You know, the, these are, these tend anyway to be evolving situations. So I think one of the first things we want to do is give yourself permission to do what works for you. Um, and give yourself permission to do what works for you for the time being, recognizing that that may change um, and that that's okay, that's normal. To, you know, to, to give context, um, I in my work, I, I work with a very wide range of people who um, many of them are absolutely lovely and just, you know, sweet as pie, but they, it is not an irregular thing for me to deal with people who are huge, huge problematic weirdos. And, um, one of the things that I've had to develop is how do, how do I deal with said hyper problematic weirdo? And there's about a hundred different ways, uh, depending on the situation, depending on the person, depending on, um, the goals. And, and that's, you know, likely to be true for you too. So there is at the very least a range of options. You know, there's kind of the, the soft cutoff where you communicate very seldom. Uh, when you do, it's for a limited amount of time. It's always focused on very super shallow topics. We're, we're not trying to get into anything deep. There's on the, the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, there's the hard cutoff of just, uh, don't call me. I don't take your calls. We don't talk. There is, there is nothing here. And there are a lot of gradations in between. Um, again, Figuring out which one's going to work for you and which one's going to work for right now 
really boils down in many ways to the specifics of your situation. And I love what Lee said about don't gauge that by your emotional state moment to moment, uh, yeah. because that that is going to um, make it hard to make good decisions. This is one where um, I I think you would find that two heads are better than one, especially when one of those heads is a licensed trained counselor who you can talk to about your situation and can help you uh, navigate it. Um, as we've said before, and it's always true. If you don't have a person like that, if you're not sure where to find a person like that, we would love to help you find a person like that. And that's a good resource to have in all kinds of situations, but particularly here when we're trying to figure out very specific strategy stuff, that's very concrete, having someone that you can talk to about the specifics of your situation and where you can kind of think together through the range of options, I think would really, really benefit you. Um, and critically, this is really important. When you set up some boundaries, they are going to be tested because that's what people do. People always yeah. push back. They, they always test boundaries. And if you have worked this out in an unemotional way with another person who knows what they're talking about, that's going to give you a lot more confidence to stand firm in the midst of um, those inevitable pushbacks, those inevitable testing of boundaries. Because otherwise, it's easy to get into a place where I got really mad and I said, well, we're never talking again. And then they pushed back really hard in the boundary and you felt kind of bad and you weren't sure you made the right choice. And so, well, I guess we're talking again now. So, you know, bringing someone else in that can help to, to guide or at the very least advise that process and doing that in an unemotional way is going to help on all kinds of levels. And we are proud of you for engaging with this tough stuff in your life. Well, that is absolutely right and all great stuff. And Glenn, where do we close this out? Well, these fellows have given you a lot of good stuff to look at. And I think really, uh, you know, I think it's a great thing if you can find that uh, small and kind of a shallow interaction with people and just kind of keep them at arm's length and hopefully give them a chance to figure themselves out. Uh, in some cases, that's just not possible, but, you know, that's fine. I also think small uh, confrontations uh, are good, too. I think we, you know, we've mentioned before, don't don't let a situation get so far out of hand that it has to be some big dramatic speech. You could just simply say, you know, someone says, well, are you coming for Thanksgiving? You say, no. And they say, well, why? And say, I don't like being around you. Sorry. You know, do, do you want to do anything about that? You know, you're, the option is yours to uh, change that. Well, you should, you should have to want it. I don't. So I'm not coming. But you guys have fun without me. That's it. You you don't give them anything to play with. You know they can they can make whatever speeches, but you could just simply say, "See, this is the exact kind of thing that I don't want to experience." So that's why I'm not coming. <laughs> you you've made my point for me. Thank you very much. Uh, so I think you know finding ways of reducing the drama. Period is what we want for you. Uh, you, you might be really dealing with an emotional exhaustion more so than. Um, you know, the, uh, just the impact of what all this is doing to you long-term. Uh, let's also look at this. When, when we deal with, um, when I help people who have come through abusive or really highly manipulative kind of relationships, you see the same patterns over and over and over again. In this case, I think it's important to recognize one of the big um, common abuser and manipulator type of playbook is to go to uh, and insist on, I want to be evaluated episode to episode. Yep. I don't want anybody looking at the big picture. So if you say, well, you did this thing and I didn't like it. Well, I apologize for that. And it's in the past. And I confessed, so it's over. He said, well, no, but it's it's part of a larger pattern. You, you've been doing these things systemically, continuously. Well, you're just throwing all the things from the past in my face. Well, no, I, I'm saying you, you know, we have empirical proof that you have a consistent pattern of behaving in a certain consistent way. 
So I, it would only be reasonable for me to expect that you would continue the pattern. You know, what, what has changed that's caused this to no longer happen? And what, how could I trust that this wouldn't be a repeatable, you know, scenario here? What those people don't want you to do is look at that larger pattern. They want it to be episode to episode. And you could easily fall into that and say, well, yeah, it was just this one time. And this other thing really triggered the person. And, you know, they were having a bad day. And that's why they yelled and, you know, so on and so forth. And you start making sort of excuses for them and you start, you know, saying, well, mm. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I understand why this happened. It was wrong, but I get it. But so, but, you know, but next time I'm not going to put up with it. Well, next time it's the same sort of thing where it's about halfway excusable and halfway not. And you look at it and you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm really sick and tired of this. Gosh, darn it. And you realize you're just continuously putting up with and going episode to episode and saying, well, I can't ruin an entire relationship just based on this one thing this person said yesterday. Mm. Uh, But it's about looking at the larger big picture of what's going on. Final thing on this is don't let an abuser or manipulator play the victim. That's a big common thing is why are you attacking me? You say, wait, wait, no, I'm not attacking you. I'm reminding you that you did this thing you appear to be trying to ignore. Well, you're 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 accusing me, and you're you're hurting me with this, and it's very wounding and damaging. So, it, no, I am I'm simply describing the world that I have to live in that you have created. That's if you find that abusive. Maybe a great way of stopping that from happen is to no longer act abusively. So, you know, <laughs> you know that we have to get into that mindset of, I am not going to let you play the victim of the situation. You're the one who perpetrated this. Uh, uh, last little tiny little thing on this is abusers and manipulators also want to lay out your obligations to you. Here's what you need. Here's what a good daughter does. Here's what a good son does. Here's what a good Christian does. Here's what a faithful friend does or whatever else it is. They want to try and map out for you what your obligations are to them, the abuser, after having suffered the abuse from them. That's insane. And it's important for you to recognize you can feel the guilt of that and say, well, I am being a bad daughter. If I had a really good parent, this would be a terrible thing to be doing right now. Mm. Well, you, you you don't have a really great parent. You have someone who's an abuser and a manipulator. So we're, we have a different set of obligations in that situation. It's important for you to recognize God cares about you and your mental health. Come on and You now. getting what you need, and that's what we want for you too. And that is the right and good and Christian and godly thing. Exactly right. That's, that's a great place. To close that out, one thing I'll add to the, the very, very good stuff these guys gave you is um, one of the, and we're not trying to share one of the, one of the positives of not making big kind of pronouncements to the person is it gives you some leeway to dial things in as you go, which is a very, very important thing. Um, as we've talked about many years in the show, and Jed is is kind of the the innovator of this, there is the ability of giving someone rope and seeing what they do with it. So you move, you've moved or whatever, or you graduated and you moved out of this person's house or you relocated, whatever, there's a physical distance or you have the opportunity to send them a text and say, Hey, here's a good thing that happened. Um, how, how about that? And if they respond, wow, good things are good. Then you can continue to move on that. If they spin into, well, you wouldn't believe what you can just uh, say, Oh God. Yeah. And we're not doing that. Or you can just, and here's the thing that's, beautiful and that it takes zero effort you can just not answer that not respond to that text and not answer that phone call and see what happens with it as jed points out everyone will particularly dysfunctional people will test boundaries they get put on them but when you're do, going a little bit by little bit and as it goes to what glenn was saying there with looking at things kind of on a continuum and not only episode by episode you don't have to successfully re uh, frame and re uh, totally rejuvenate the uh, relationship with this person every single time you interact with them. You can you can try some stuff. You will probably not have great results at some things, better results at other things. 
and dial that in as you go, which is a perfectly good way to get where you're going. We're going to move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I get scared easy, easily, whether there's a lockdown where I live, a family member gets sick, I read the news or even watch a movie. I don't feel safe or solid. How does God want me to deal with the fear in my life? And another excellent question. And Jed, where would we start off? Well, we uh, appreciate your question. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh, it makes sense. I I think all of us can definitely relate to um, feeling disconcerted, if nothing else. So the first answer to your question, how does God want me to deal with the fear in my life? Well, that would definitely be one day at a time. Uh, we we can't uh, deal with tomorrow's fear today, so we're going to deal with it one day at a time. But one of the things that I would really encourage you to look at is to ask how much of this fear, in a sense, is optional. And here's what I mean is you say it freaks you out to read the news. Do you need to read the news? Mm. You say that yep. it, it freaks you out to, to watch uh, certain movies. Do you need to watch those movies? Right. Because that's kind of up to you, man. And if it's any comfort and an interest of full disclosure, reading the news freaks me out too. Because uh, it's awful. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if anyone else is aware <laughs> of that, but it's terrible. It's terrible news all the time. It's awful. Hello. And so, honestly, for the sake of my own mental and emotional health, I, I, I have to limit the amount of news that I take in, so that I'm not just, you know, um, a pool of sadness on the floor. Um, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, actually, just a couple days ago, and uh, I was asking, well, how are you doing? And, and he said something that really struck me, and I think it, it pertains to your question. He said, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing good, and I'm, I'm keeping active, and I'm thinking about things that bring me joy. And mm. that is such an interesting idea, because it's something, it sounds really obvious when you say it out loud, and it's something literally anyone can do. So right now, it sounds like we're spending at least part of our day choosing to consume media that will definitely make you feel worse. Right. And I want to encourage you to, at the very least, ask, why are you doing that? And do we really need to be doing that? But not only do I want to encourage you to, at the very least, lower the amount of awful making media that you consume, but to recognize there are probably things that you could do and expose yourself to that would make you happy. That would make you feel better. Um, dude, I like looking at art books. I just like looking at pretty pictures. I turn the page. Wow, that's a really pretty picture. Then I turn the page. That's another pretty picture. It's just great. I just like it. I don't, I don't have to explain it to anybody. It just makes me feel better. Uh, I just like doing it. I bet that you have things like that in your life too. And I don't know why it is, but I think that there's something about this moment in the world where we feel like all the awful stuff, that's real. Like, that's what's really going on. And if I'm thinking about stuff that's like fake, it's like I'm living off in a dreamland. No. (laughs) Rembrandt painted that picture. It's real. It's just as real as the awful thing on CNN right now. They're both real. It's entirely up to you and to me which one you are choosing to look at and which one you are choosing to focus on. That leads to one more thing, which um, I think is really important to uh, take stock of. You've heard, I strongly imagine, that the Bible says over and over again, many, many times, do not fear, do not be afraid. And that's true, it does. There are also things throughout the Bible, and, and Jesus and Paul both have them, where they say, watch out for this. Mm. Be on your mm-hmm. guard against yeah. this. And there's, there's a, a, a list of, of those different things. And it is true that God does not want you to live a life defined by fear. It is true that God does not want you to be afraid to make decisions out of fear. It is also true that God recognizes there are certain things that could really mess you up and that you need to be on your guard against those things. You need to be um, wary of those things. And here's the funny thing is, If we're going around, or at least I'll put this on myself, if I'm going around wound up on fear that has nothing to do with my life, not only is it draining me and tearing me down, it's making it so much harder to be on my guard and be aware of the stuff that God actually wants me to be on my guard against. Like, one for me, I am very convinced that God wants me to be on my guard against self-pity. 
Um, self-pity can mess me up so quickly. But here's the funny thing. If I'm spending all of my time being afraid about, I don't know, throw a dart at a dartboard of all the awful stuff going on in the world right now, whatever it lands on, thing X, if I am uh, spending all of my emotional energy being afraid of thing X, it actually makes it pretty hard for me to be on my guard against self-pity. Wow. And in a sense, it kind of makes it worse because there's so many awful things in the world. What a terrible time to be alive. So much. Gosh, I, I feel so bad. I feel so bad about myself. I feel so bad about my situation. You know what I need? I need some self-pity. That'll help me feel better. At this, (laughs) at this point, (laughs) fear is wrecking my life because it's leading me directly into temptation. The good news is there's a way forward one day at a time. You can choose to do less of the stuff that's making the fear worse. You can do more of the stuff that's bringing joy and peace into your life. And you can choose to be cognizant that there are things for you specifically to be aware of and be on your guard against and ask God to give you the strength and the wisdom you need to deal with those challenges. Absolutely right. That also brings up a new character I would like to to see, which is uh, Jed Brewer. Deeply unprepared museum tour guide. We just started everything with this is another pretty picture. <laughs> Boy, look at all that blue! Isn't that great? Uh, Moving I on. Think, uh, I think that character has a very deep Southern accent. Yeah, but but just upbeat, just real happy to be at the museum yeah. with y'all and show you all yeah. these pictures. Yeah, like a North Carolina, like a coastal North Carolina. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. another pretty picture right over here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, like, sir, you've had this job for many years. You've learned about like the. No, I don't want to ruin the magic. Just, just, just look at it. It's great. No, just turn your attention right here to this uh, other pretty picture. <laughs> oh, <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. I think that would bring us all a lot of joy. Uh, Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up on this question because oh, exactly as as Judge pointed out there, I think it makes a great point with the self pity and getting stuck in these, these distractions and the cycles because it is very easy to. Oh God, it's on the news, and I hate that guy. You know, and you know who's the real victim of all this? Me. <laughs> right, that's right. That's but right. Uh, one of the reasons that that happens, I think, and I'd love to get you to explore, is there is no bottom to the fear. There's no. That's right. I stared into the void, and it made me stronger, and all that. It's just there's yeah. always more there, right? That absolutely right. And and I I want to start my answer off by saying go back and listen to Jed's answer yeah, again. That's right. That was awesome. Thanks guys. Uh, but I, I think I, I really want to build off of what he was saying there about be on your guard and the idea of being concerned, being focused, being aware of things is very important and very good, but that's very, very different from fear. Fear yep. takes us down a whole different road. Fear is a tool of the enemy being a, a vigilant and aware and focused, seeing how things are are working and and you know what sort of uh, what the enemy is trying to do and what's going on and where is God in the midst of a crisis? Those are all really good things and it has to do with you know having that sense of uh, insight into things. But fear itself has a way of. It, it it well just exactly as 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 we were saying here it has no bottom there is no end to it it just keeps going forever <laughs> if you ask fear what should i think about this it says be afraid of it and you say but should i really yes you should be afraid of everything in every direction <laughs> all the time fear doesn't ever take a break and give you a little bit of you know of a respite and say ah oh, no nah, don't be afraid of that Fear just has no bottom in that sense. That's that's why the devil uses it. That's what the the thing is to it. Uh, so there's no relief there. There's no peace. There's no getting to the other side and finding out that it's you know, fear. Thank you, fear. You took me to a really great place, and now that you've gone away, I feel much better. That doesn't happen. Okay. I think the final thing off this is to recognize that wisdom and fear don't occupy the same space. If you want to be on your guard, if you want to be aware, if you want to um, uh, know how to handle this situation that is scary and difficult and nervous-making and all of that, 
you can use fear as a way to try to navigate through that, which will not help you at all. Fear does not lead to great, wise decisions. <laughs> That's not, fear leads to you doing something really crazy and not smart. Uh, w- wisdom and fear are, are in opposite worlds. And when wisdom comes in, fear goes out. And that's that's where you know you're finally getting on the right side of this, where wisdom will come in and say, this is a tough situation. It will remain tough. I've got something for you on that. I have strength for you, and I have hope for you. And I have a plan for when this is going to be over and how this, how your life will be affected by that. And now all of a sudden you have a sense of certainty. You know what, what's going on around you, and you can make uh, wise decisions about how to handle that because you're seeing the whole picture. Fear does not give you any of that. Fear says panic. Uh, you know, uh, the you know what the acronym of fear is is forget everything and run. Uh, that's the clean version of that. But uh, it's it's really illustrating, as Jed was saying, that's going to get you into that world of self pity. Um, uh, that world of I got to hook myself up because this is all just too much and I have to do something crazy and dumb and unhealthy. That's what fear does for us. And we want so much better for the, for you than that. We want you that to have that wisdom. That's an excellent point and a really great way to take that. And Lee, where do we close this one out? This is great. We've already heard so much stuff on this. So I'm going to keep this real simple. Like what you like. This is a, this is a hard concept for Christians but like what you like. Um, And know what you like, own what you like, and then do those things. Like, you, if you find that you enjoy, um, like, a, a, you know, a a video game after dinner for an hour or so, then after dinner, you should play a video game for an hour or so. You unwind that way. You find that you really enjoy just kind of uh, going outside and taking a walk um, kind of seeing the fall colors and feeling the sun on your face and the chill in the air, whatever the thing is, then you should go do those things. I, I like to kind of think about, um, it's kind of a weird concept, but if you think about your day, like cooking a, a, a meal, you have different ingredients that would go into that meal. And right now you've got a lot of ingredients that are making that meal <laughs> stressful and fearful and, uh, a, tents and all that kind of stuff. Well, what are the ingredients in the day? Um, what are the things in your day that bring you um, some joy, some peace, some chill, some just some pleasure? Um, like, let's drastically in, in, increase those in kind of the, the, the meal plan of the day. Like, as, as you think about the ingredients that make up your day, Jed's kind of already covered this uh, in the idea that you don't have to watch the news if the news is bringing you stress. You don't have to go to that, um, you know, that, that Facebook page if that Facebook page causes you distress. What are the things that you just like? The things that bring you joy? The things that bring you peace? Um, those are the things that we need to grab hold of, own that you dig them, and and go for those things. Um, these brothers have already covered so many of the angles about what fear can do and what place it can have in your life and how it can lie to you and how it can manipulate you and drag you around. There's a whole, the 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 opposite side of that coin is the things that you honestly just dig the things that you're just into, that they just bring you joy. Um, You love The Mandalorian? Watch it again. Like, you love uh, crocheting? Then crochet. Like, you love cooking, um, uh, you know, a certain kind of cuisine? Then let's cook it up. Um, Let's just inject the things in your day that you know bring you um, peace that bring you joy, that bring you like positive reflection, those kinds of things. These are practical things that as you increase their footprint in your day, you are going to decrease the amount of tension and distress that you feel because you are allowed to like the stuff that you like. And as you increase those ingredients in your day, it's going to increase your personal peace. Amen. Absolutely right. Feel Amen. free to combine those things and crochet yourself a Mandalorian helmet. 
<laughs> or it's a, a baby good Yoda. project, and you'll come out with something great. Yeah, that's right. A crocheted Baby Yoda. That is a sellable thing on Etsy. Believe me, I've looked <laughs> this holiday season. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in and says, sometimes I get to the end of the day and I just want to give up. I'm overwhelmed by my feelings, no matter what I do to try to keep going. It's like my mind is pushing me to the ground. I hear you guys talk about how God doesn't want us to give up. Sometimes my willpower will allow me to keep going despite how I'm feeling, but it never really lasts. How do I deal with urges to give up? And a very, very cool question when we've looked at at our bridge cast recently. So Glenn, where would we start off? Well, first of all, uh, thank you for submitting this. Uh, you know, we, uh, I think uh, you, you might feel uh, that super hard, super overwhelming questions are not what we want to look at. We, that we would only want to deal with the, uh, the easy stuff or the low hanging fruit that's not the case the 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 more gnarly it is the more we want to be there for you and 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 involved in it uh and supporting you uh and we you know uh we don't have a way of knowing exactly why you want to give up or what's driving you to that but we can relate to the feeling uh and certainly we've all felt that at one time or another and uh, you know, going through a pandemic right now, there's there are moments where I'm sure every person that you know has had just a low moment where they feel like giving up in some sort of yeah. way. So, uh, first of all, let's let's take away that vilifying or or self condemnation that you might be tempted towards uh, right now. And then let's look at this. I have a feeling these other fellows are going to try and talk you out of giving up. Uh, so I'm going to say, um, uh, I'm going to take the different tack on that and say, if you really determined to give up, let's just figure out the right way to do that. Mm. Because far too many people give up in a way that's not at all Christian. So let's find the Christian way of giving up. Uh, here's the first uh, thing that we want to look at on, on giving up. I'll give you a three-step checklist. Just If you're saying, I'm giving up, you say, okay, here, work these three things, and you'll know that you're giving up in a very uh, good way. But the first thing is to list out, in order of priority, what you want to give up on first. So, for example... Do you do you want to quit your job because your your job is is not giving you joy? Do you want to uh, give up on healthy relationships that are loving and encouraging? Do you want to give up on to look at all these different things you want to give up on? But some of these things are really helping you, and some of these things really are not. Uh, some of these things are really draining you. There's a toxic relationship. That's a good thing to give up on first. Uh, so if we start by giving up on the things that really stink, it might start to look different on all the rest of the stuff, <laughs> just as a suggestion. So if you're going to give up, let's do it right. Let's, let's start with uh, setting a priority. Just list it out. Here are all the things I want to give up on. And, you know, I think some of what you're going to see there is you have toxic things that are draining energy that you then don't have an ability to put into stuff that is good and healthy. So the good and healthy stuff is kind of suffering because you don't have the bandwidth for it. Uh, so we, we might solve this problem just by prioritizing what we want to give up on uh, in the first place. Second thing on your giving up and, and uh, checklist here is uh, do one thing to help one person. Pick any person that you want. I, th I, I, I hope it's someone uh, that you care about that's close to you. It could, it could be just someone that you happen to know is deeply in need. It could be uh, you know a charity that you really feel passionate about. Do something really meaningful and really, you know, substantial to help just one person and see how that changes the outlook. Uh, sometimes we feel like I, I, I can't do anything for myself and therefore I, I shouldn't even be trying to help anybody and, and my life just has no more meaning to it. 
Find something small and doable that you can do that's substantial to help just one person. See how that changes the outlook. Uh, third thing, final thing on your checklist of giving up. We're giving up. We're checking out. We've had it. And we're, we're moving on here. Here's, here's the third thing to do. Write down all the things you're thankful for. Because you're, mm. you're about to give up, backslide, and you, know, you want to do it right. Here's the right way to backslide. Sit down. Write out all the things that you're thankful for. That they may be that might be a small list. I don't know. There may be a lot of rough stuff going on, and there isn't a lot of positive things to be thankful for. But start listing it out, and and really go to town. Try and think of everything you can be thankful for. I think when you get to a point where you've cut out some of the, and, and given up on some of these toxic relationships. You found meaning in in helping, even if it's just one person. That's fine. That's good. I mean that that person's going to be thankful for it and 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 happy for it. You found, uh, you know, those toxic relationships have gone out, and that's created a little extra bandwidth. We have something that's given our life meaning and purpose, and then we're in touch with the good things, even if it's a small number. But if we're in touch with the good things that are going on that we can be thankful for. I'm betting this whole thing is going to look very, very mm. different for you. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little snarky with this, but I do mean genuinely you should do these things when you're thinking of giving up, uh, that you should sit down and say, I am, I am committed to giving up, but I'm going to do it in this way. You're going to be less likely uh, to, to actually give up, uh, but you're also going to be more likely to start down a different road with your life that's healthier and happier. And, and that's what we want for you. A very, very cool way to start that off. And Lee, where'd we take it from here? Yeah, I, I loved all of that. And um, I guess I'm at this point, I'm so used to the snark that I didn't even <laughs> smell it coming down, the, coming down the street. But no, I, I, I love this question and, and I'm thankful for it because um, I, I've had so many of these moments, especially this year. I had a conversation the other day with somebody, uh, with a good friend and just kind of saying like, look, I, I you know, th- there's so many things I feel like giving up on. And, uh, it wound up being a super encouraging conversation and I just couldn't see my own, you know, it was just like, I just couldn't see my own situation, uh, from my own vantage point. And this friend helped me to see some really cool stuff. And one of the things that I would suggest in this is um, th- I, I want to take this kind of in a different, let's like kind of frame this in a different way and see if we can see it a little differently. And that is sports. Not everybody likes the sports. I, I like sports um, and I don't love it when my team loses. But one of the things I love about sports is is all the kind of stats, just the analytics, kind of the granular like zooming all the way in and seeing how individual players do there. It, it happens to be the case that right now uh, in the national football league, there is a player who's playing on a not very good team, but he is a kid that, that I knew when he was in high school, I, I, he was part of a ministry that I was part of an outreach ministry. I reached out to this kid. We had a great relationship. I was there when he, you know, when he met the Lord, we, we've had a lot of cool interactions, that kind of stuff and great conversations and everything. And now I'm watching this kid in, in like a professional sport. As I said, he's on a not very good team and they don't win a lot of games, but in the midst of them not winning a lot of games, he is having an amazing season. His individual stats are fantastic. I mean, he's having these great games in the middle of his team not doing well. When you look at the thing from a zoomed-out perspective, it looks like, man, this team is really having a bad year. When you zoom in on what this one dude is doing, he's actually doing amazingly well. His stock is going up. In really small areas, he's doing great. I say all of that to say this, there is a widespread feeling from a lot of people, especially this year, in the middle of everything that we're all going through, of like, this year just sucks, and we're all really sad, and we're all having a really bad time. But my question for you is, especially when you consider, I think it was Glenn's maybe second or third point there, 
what are the little things that you're doing right now that made somebody's life better? The little things that you're doing that are responsible, that you showed up when you were supposed to, you met expectations in a very small, granular way. Like, in other words, like, if we were to zoom in on your stats, I bet you've got a pretty cool stat line going in a lot of ways that you're not giving yourself credit for because, well, 2020 basically sucks. The world is literally on fire. And we're all really disappointed, tired, frustrated, confused, afraid, and and it, look, everything, it just sucks. The whole thing feels like it's on a death spiral. And yet, in the middle of that, you got up, you took a shower, you showed up for work, you tied your shoes, you uh, answered that call from that friend of yours who was having a tough time, you walked them through that situation, you wrote that person that letter, you made some brownies for whoever, like whatever the small granular stats are, my guess is that in the middle of a really bad season for everybody and the planet Earth, you've had some really good games. That's my guess. My guess is if you zoom in far enough, you've got a pretty cool stat line. And I think that we need to change the channel on wherever the world is and look at the cool stuff that you're doing, that you're showing up for, the little victories, the little wins that you have to celebrate that we have not really celebrated yet. I bet that if you gave yourself permission to celebrate your little victories, that at the end of the day, in the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of a once in a generation, once in a century, global difficulty, you're having some pretty cool days. I I would cap this off by reminding you that in the scriptures, Jesus says a really cool thing. He says, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water will not fail to receive their reward. It's, it's worth noting that Jesus digs the, the small granular stats, the moments that somebody showed up. In Matthew chapter 25, he says, you fed somebody was, who was hungry. You remembered somebody who was in prison. All of those things, you did them for me. Little moments where you were responsible, where you showed up, where you cared about somebody who needed caring about. Those are little victories that, in the mind of our Lord, are absolutely gigantic. In the middle of, the year, of, of a year where the world basically sucks, I bet you've got some really cool stuff to celebrate. And part of what you're going through, we can change the channel on that by owning and celebrating your little victories. That's all Amen. really, really great stuff. Amen. Indeed. And Jed, where would we close this out? Well, these fellows have given you a ton of good stuff, so I'm just going to add a couple of very quick things. The first is your current feelings are not forever feelings. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that your current feelings are invalid. It doesn't mean that they don't matter. But the one thing that we don't want you to buy into, because the same temptation comes to all of us, is the way I feel right now is the way I'm going to feel forever. That's yeah. not true. I bet that voice is in your head and we need to call that out because that is just not true. Um, It's not true because things, you know, uh, kind of in a big picture sense will almost undoubtedly improve eventually. But it's also not true because there are steps that you can take that will improve your situation. Um, And um, I think you can improve your situation faster than you might bet. And I think your emotions may respond to it more strongly than you might bet. But either way, the idea that how you feel right now is basically just what you're condemned to for the rest of your days. We do want to push back on that because uh, that's that's one of the temptations that, that can go after any of us um, when we're feeling low. That said, you you do have these feelings right now. And you deserve a safe place to talk about your feelings with another human being. And so my question is, do you have that? Do you have a safe place to talk about your feelings and not just carry all these burdens solo? If you don't, we would love to help you find one. Uh, You deserve that. Um, I, I believe that you need it, but whether you need it or not, you deserve it. It's a, it's a good thing that you should have. 
And I want to encourage you to go after that for a lot of reasons. And one of them is there's no point in you trying to be a hero. Um, we have a lot of uh, mythos in America about the the semi-tragic solitary figure who who just bravely soldiers on no matter what and carries all of his own burdens. And no one should live that way. Uh, mm. you, you should not live that way. No one should live that way. Um, you know, what, the Lord has amazing, amazing things for you in your life. Um, I have no doubt about that, but one of them is not being a Wolverine-esque tragic superhero who carries <laughs> inhuman burdens by himself day after day. Um, the, the Lord doesn't want that for you. We don't want that for you. And to be clear, um, uh, one of the things that came up in your question was the idea of, of, uh, this wasn't your exact wording, but feeling like you were pushing through the pain. And, um, if you don't know, I, I, I need you to know that pushing through the pain is only ever a short-term solution. No one can do that forever. No one should do that forever. Um, if it hurts, we need to figure out why it hurts and yep. do something about it. Uh, uh, Pain is letting us know that there's something that needs our attention. And so, again, if you are escaping from a burning building and your shin hurts, we may not want to worry about the shin too much right this second. We may want to complete the process of escaping from the burning building first. Sure, absolutely. That's a short-term thing. But eventually, if your shin is throbbing, like all the time, we do for sure need to see someone about the shin. Right. We are not we are not meant to go through a life defined by shin agony. Um, right. There there are moments, brief moments, emergency moments where pushing through the pain is is the right thing. It's what we need to do, but it's only ever a short term solution. Um, you are not meant to just carry pain in a solitary way by yourself forever Amen. and just put up with it. We don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. Um, one of the best places to start in addition to the great stuff these fellows have already told you is having a safe place to talk about your feelings. Again, if you're not sure what that would look like, if you're not sure where to find that, we would love to help you find that and don't let finances be a limitation on that. Uh, there's, there's always solutions. So don't be a stranger, shoot us an email and let us help. We are jealous for the desire to do something to help. All that is, is definitely true. I wish Jed would have pointed out the Wolverine thing. Before I grew out these mutton chops and got started on the big triangle haircut, but <laughs> everyone needs a lockdown project and there are worse ones to go. I back up everything these guys said. If you want to reach out to us about that or anything else, you can drop us a message at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge slash ask, but keep everything totally anonymous. You can also join us every Tuesday at 7 30 PM at facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago for our bridge live cast we do hope to see you there we take out the song this week as mentioned in the opening our friend tommy put together his yes. own 8-bit version Ooh. of our very own theme song incredibly cool we'll take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it to say that podcast reaching out to martian space monkeys and venusian squid monsters because we care take that bill gates <laughs> 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 <laughs>